Hi, I'm Elizabeth Noyce, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Lennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are going to discuss the season five episode of Supergirl titled, and I feel like I should do it this way, The Wrath of Rama Khan, because I (laughs) think that is the play on words they were going for. But before we get into the episode, we need to catch up on the news. So normally we try not to get into the personal lives of the actors on the Supergirl TV show that we talk about on this podcast every week. But on November 27th, 2019, Melissa Benoist spoke out on Instagram TV about domestic violence after what she uh, describes as months of domestic abuse. So we figured this was something that we needed to discuss on the podcast and talk about because it would be a little weird if we did not address it. Plus, it's a very important subject. So we're going to briefly kind of go through what Melissa talked about and uh, kind of address it here on Supergirl Radio. And since uh, we feel like it's probably best to go through Melissa's words Uh, The easiest way I knew to do this was uh, to just read through the Hollywood Reporter article on it. So, Morgan, as we read through it, if you want to interject and talk about anything, uh, we can do that. We can break it down. So, this is the Hollywood Reporter article on this subject. So, it says, In a vulnerable 14-minute Instagram video, the actor declared up front, quote, I am a survivor of domestic violence or IPV, intimate partner violence, unquote. In the story, Benoist, 31, describes meeting the alleged perpetrator at a time in her life when she had just gotten out of a relationship and wasn't eager to get into another. After becoming friends, she says they started dating and the relationship immediately felt like a, quote, runaway freight train, unquote. She says the abuse began as um, emotional manipulation and that her partner was often jealous looked at her devices, got angry when she spoke to other men, asked her to change clothes so others wouldn't look at her, and got angry when she did romantic scenes at work. Um, I guess I will stop it. I will interject first here, I guess, uh, after Mm -hmm. after that bit. Um, Because not necessarily... I'm not going to put out all of uh, our, our sources on display. I mean, we have... We we don't have lots of sources on Supergirl Radio. <laughs> We're not like a source. Uh, we 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 don't uh, go about in the the rumor mill 
So we don't really do a whole lot with sources. But we have people tell us things occasionally. We get the tidbit here and there. I mean, we don't ask. People just give us information sometimes. I'm like, okay, sure. I didn't ask for it, but <laughs> sure. That is really true. A lot of the times we're offered information, Rebecca's like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, no, I want to know. Tell me. <laughs> so that's usually how it works. But we have... Uh, heard things about some things related to this part of the story about how uh, when Melissa said that uh, this perpetrator got angry when she did romantic scenes at work. Uh, there is something that we were told uh, that did s- now now that Melissa has talked about this, it does seem to connect with something that we were told. And uh, so that make, makes uh, this this story more believable to me because now it's starting to make sense as to why some of the things that we were told were happening. Um, so I, that 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 is something very interesting that uh, I sort of took away from this part of the story. So there there is uh, it's it's a very strange thing that this you know has happened with this relationship because she. I mean, Melissa would have to go, I mean, as an actress, she's probably often asked to do romantic scenes. I mean, that's generally what actors do. I mean, sometimes those stories that they, I mean, a lot of stories that they would want to go up for would have romantic scenes. Yeah, it's like part of the job. Yeah, so, um, and, and that's why I always think it's fascinating when actors marry other actors, or even when actors get married, it's like, what is that like for the spouse? <laughs> So, but some people can make it work and, and, you know, it's best when they find someone who can make that work. Uh, so anyway, so I just wanted to, to mention that cause that, that does seem to line up with some things that, that we have heard. Um, so continuing on into the article, uh, it says, quote, work in general was a touchy subject, unquote, she said, uh, quote, he didn't want me ever kissing or even having flirtatious scenes with men, which was very hard for me to avoid. So I began turning down auditions, job offers, test deals, and friendships because I didn't want to hurt him, unquote. Uh, Benoist never named the abuser. She has only she only describes the alleged perpetrator as being younger than her. She has been linked to photographer Nick Vorderman, 37 was married to actor Blake Jenner, 27, for over a year, and is now married to uh, actor Chris Wood, 31. The first incident of violence occurred five months in, she says in the video, when the partner allegedly threw a smoothie at her face. She kept the incident a secret out of shame, fear of again being abused, and reluctant to admit it was happening to her. Quote, I learned what it felt like to be pinned down and slapped repeatedly, punched so hard I felt the wind go out of me, dragged by my hair across pavement, head-butted, pinched until my skin broke, slammed against the wall so hard the drywall broke, and choked, she said. When she locked herself in room, she said the door was broken down and she learned not to value property or myself. After a violent attack, the alleged perpetrator would put her in a bathtub and turn on the faucet before leaving the room, only to later return and apologize. She says she stayed down, quote, because deep down, I never believed he would change. I just fooled myself into thinking I could help him. Someone had to let him know his behavior wasn't okay, and who better than the one he was taking it out on, unquote. Benoist then describes how she herself became violent to fend off the attacks. Quote, I changed, and I'm not proud of how I changed, unquote, she said. 
A turning point occurred when the partner threw an iPhone at her face, allegedly break, allegedly tearing her iris to the point where it nearly ruptured her eyeball and breaking her nose, an injury such that her vision changed forever. She lied to the nurses and police about how she got the injuries, but soon mustered the courage to be able to confide in a friend when asked her about the partner's controlling behavior. Uh, uh, Melissa says, the more people I let in, the more I was bolstered. Uh, she says she then broke off relations with the partner. Ending her story, Benoit says, quote, none of this is salacious news. It was my reality. What I went through caused a tectonic shift in my outlook on life, unquote. She concludes that she wanted to tell her story because IPV is a chronically underreported crime. According to the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, one in four women and one in four men have experienced some kind of violence from their partners. One in seven women and one in 25 men have been injured by their partners. Uh, Melissa said, a quote, I want those statistics to change, and I hope that telling my story will pr uh, prevent more stories like this from happening, unquote. Uh, she also continued, if you are endur enduring what I went through and you see this, you might be able to find the tiny straw that will break the camel's back, unquote. In late-night appearances, Melissa, uh, Melissa Benoist often told stories about being accident-prone, and in one 2016 appearance on The Tonight Show chalked up an eye injury ex extremely similar to the iPhone in incident to falling down a flight of stairs and hitting her eye on a potted plant. Uh, she told Jimmy Fallon, I looked like Squirt from Finding Nemo, uh, which is what she said her alleged abuser had told her the following had told her following the injury in her latest Instagram video. Yeah, and didn't she, didn't she mention, I think in that same video, she mentioned that, like, when they were coming up with a, a plausible story, they had, like, settled on that potted plant. So it seems likely that that's what she's talking about in this uh, Tonight uh, the Tonight Show appearance, which I I obviously saw going around on social media and then watched, and it's like, it, knowing the background of that story, it's very chilling to watch that video where she's like trying to be lighthearted about it when you know that she like almost lost her vision. Yeah, that is that's terrible. I mean, any any kind of violence like that is terrible. But the the fact that it 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 went so far for that to happen and wasn't that like right before she got Supergirl or like as she was getting Supergirl? Yeah, I think some of this was uh, during kind of the audition process. Maybe um, I, I don't know exactly all of the timeline for all of this happening, but it did it did seem like it was kind of the start of of the Supergirl stuff. Um, uh, Melissa also posted a number that people can call if you are in a crisis and need assistance to find a safe way out. So I, we felt like this would be important for people to know. If you need that kind of thing, you can call the domestic violence hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. So that's 1-800-799-7233. Um, so we, we hate to hear this about Melissa Benoist, but I think it's very brave what she did to, you know, uh, speak out about her experience and what she went through. Um, because I do think that when you talk about those things and make yourself vulnerable, that allows people to, uh, feel like they can talk about it too, and that they can maybe take a step in doing something, uh, you know, making a change in their own lives. So I think it's really important that she did that. And I guess for me personally, you know, sometimes I forget that these people are just human beings. Like, you know, we see Melissa on screen every week and she's, 
using heat vision and lifting up buildings and, um, you know, using super breath to, you know, freeze something. Like, she she's invulnerable on the show. She stops bullets. You know, she can do all that kind of stuff. But, she, you know, in reality, that's just a job for her. That's just work to her. Uh, she even talked in the video about work. And I had to, like, reframe my my brain. Like, oh, acting is just work to her. Like, when I go to work every day, that's what she considers her her day job. You know? <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Um, so she just goes to work. And, you know, when she's not in that cape, she's just Melissa. And um, so it's it's important to remember that these people are just like us. They They may do spectacular things at their job. Uh, but they are just human beings, and she's vulnerable just like all of us are. So I think it's I think it's really important that she um, she spoke up about this. And uh, so I, I I am sorry I'm personally sorry that it's happened to her, but I think what she's done is a good thing. And so I hope it gives other people the the strength to kind of. Um, change things that are negative and bad in their lives. Yeah, I think what she did did was very brave and important. And I, I think it was, I mean, especially brave to be that vulnerable because she, like, she didn't just, you know, release a statement or, you know, write a blog post and stuff like that, which is also very, you know, very brave. But she she's on camera when she read that statement. And, like, I, I obviously I watched the, um, the Instagram live or I guess it wasn't live I guess like the Instagram TV or what whatever new Instagram (laughs) product they have um but I watched the video and it's just you like your heart breaks for her it's just so it's so personal and so vulnerable she's just staring straight into the camera like reading the statement that she prepares and her voice is shaking a little bit because you can tell that this is something that's very personal to her and like is something that makes her feel very vulnerable. And I think um, I've seen such an outpouring of like love and support for her. And I think it's, it's very important for, you know, people who are maybe in similar positions to see that outpouring of support as well, you know, just to see people going like, we're here for you. We believe you, we want to help you. You know, I think um, maybe that would make them realize that there are still, you know, that there are people in their lives that, will feel the exact same way. Yeah, and I think um, not only was Melissa brave, I mean, that's the important thing is that she was brave in this, but uh, another part of her story I think should be mentioned was that she had a friend who initially approached her and said, hey, you know, is everything going okay? You know, are you all right? And I think it takes uh, a special person to speak into somebody's life like that because I know a lot of times, like, for me, I'm like, well, I don't know. It's not my place. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe they'll snap out of it. Maybe maybe they'll take care of it on their own. Maybe they'll, you know, th- this will resolve itself. I don't need to step in. But some sometimes it takes, you know, a good Samaritan who's willing to step in there and say, hey, I care about you and I love you and you're my friend and I want what's best for you. And I want to be there for you when something bad is happening. And so I think whoever that friend was, um, I'm really thankful for that person to step into her life and um, and really show that they cared for her. Because I think that, to me, that's one of the things that came across in her story was that someone did that for her. And it gave her the strength to, to you know, finally open up to somebody. So, 
if you're someone who is in that position, you know, think about, you know, is is it something that maybe, you know, we all should do? We should care about our friends enough to be able to be that person. Um, because even in the video, Melissa says, you know, that friend of hers was worried that it w- it might bust up their friendship. If she or he, I don't know if it was a man or a, wo- a woman, uh, but whoever it was, uh, stepped in even if it might cost uh, that person the friendship. So I think um, that's encouraging to me as somebody who could maybe, you know, uh, you know, if if there's a chance that I could do something for someone else, you know, maybe that's something I need to think about. So I th- I think there's a lot of takeaways from her story. So I, I really appreciate that Melissa was uh, willing to do that and and willing to step out there. And so I I hope it it helped her in some way to talk about it. Uh, so, um, we'll, we'll try to, um, I've already kind of talked about it with Morgan and with Andy over at the Flash podcast and Titans podcast. Uh, we may try to do something to raise money for a cause related to this, uh, for the DCTV podcast fundraiser. Um, since I'm kind of the person that picks the fundraisers every year. (laughs) Um, so, (laughs) so it's kind of in my, my, uh, my wheelhouse to, uh, pick it. So I think we'll try to do something, uh, because I feel like, Supergirl Radio is, you know, we're the place for the Supergirl fans. And Melissa is the, you know, the the actress, the star of the show that we talk about every week. And uh, I know Morgan, you know, we, we sort of talked about this, but I, I kind of feel like we should do something for her and on her behalf. So uh, maybe we'll we'll try to do that. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. All right. Well, that was a, a difficult subject to approach, but uh, we felt it was important that we do that. Uh, so, um, I guess we can move on to something a little more lighthearted and, uh, so Morgan, do you want to tell everybody about the, the crossover event that we've got coming up? Yeah. Changing gears entirely. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) There was no real good way to do this. There's no, there's no elegant transition between (laughs) these two topics. Um, so the DC TV podcasts are teaming up for a crisis on infinite earths live podcasting crossover event. So we'll be separating crisis into two parts with the first live show happening on Wednesday, December 11th. Listen, I respect all, all caps, Rebecca, you should know this. You know, it it goes, maybe I should have put in wired uh, every time uh, I put live there, but you know, I just tried to keep it simple. So the first show is happening on Wednesday, December 11th. So that's next week. If you're marking in your calendars, uh, it starts at, which you should be. Why aren't you marking it in your calendars? <laughs> <laughs> I'm judging you. Uh, starting at 9 p.m. Eastern. Um, part two is going to be on Wednesday, January 15th, 2020. The new year. Yes, next year. So now you officially have one thing in your calendar for next year. <laughs> Congratulations. Did you put it in your calendar? I don't think that you did. Let's go back. <laughs> it's January, Wednesday, January 15th, 2020. On in that calendar. I'm assuming that's also going to be at 9 p.m. Eastern? Uh, yes, I believe so. So put it in your calendar, 9 p.m. Eastern, 
we'll update you if that changes. <laughs> um, so to listen either, I, I don't know why this got so aggressive in this section, <laughs> why I'm yelling at the listeners. Um, to listen, either go to Mixler.com slash DCTV podcast on your internet browser, or you can download the Mixler smartphone app, and then you can just listen on your phone. Uh, yeah, the, the advantage of the app is it will notify you when we go live. Um, so there, there are two ways that you can listen. And yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be a lot of people. And we're going to be talking about a lot of TV. There's five episodes of TV, so we didn't want we didn't want to do five episodes all at once. Now, Rebecca, I have a crisis question for you, and it's very important. Okay. Besides Supergirl, are you caught up with any of the other shows? Because I know my answer. <laughs> I think I know your answer too. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, uh, my friend Christy, uh, shout out to my uh, friend Christy with a K, because uh, I have multiple uh, Christies in my life. Um, she uh, she asked me what shows uh, she needed to catch up on uh, for Crisis, and I was like, well. You know, The Flash has been very heavily a Crisis uh, related, and Arrow has actually been good this season. And she she texted me back and she was like, do you have a fever? <laughs> <laughs> is this like one of the, is this like one of those like kidnapping scenarios where that's how you know? It's, <laughs> if I say that Arrow fun. has been good, you know I've been kidnapped. <laughs> so um, I am caught up on Arrow because Arrow has been so good. I've wanted to watch it every week. It's weird. It's weird. Why is this happening? Um, They did a whole, like, Groundhog Day episode, and it was fascinating. Oh, that sounds fun. It was fun. Um, But uh, I think I'm a couple episodes behind on The Flash, and I'm, like, way behind on Batwoman. I think I watched the first two episodes, and... Uh, so I'm not caught up. And of course, you know, I don't watch Legends. So and, and Legends is not on right now, right? But I mean, but in many ways, because you listen to the podcast. <laughs> but I do listen to the podcast. So I'm pretty caught You're up. You're kind of caught up. <laughs> and I haven't been watching Black Lightning. But my friend Ian, who's been on the podcast, Ian Boucher, shout out to I'm giving a lot of shout outs to this episode of Supergirl <laughs> Radio. He has been telling me all sorts of great things about Black Lightning, and it has made me want to catch up on that show. Yeah, I remember really liking the the first season, which I think I watched almost all of, and then, like, fell behind in, like, the last two episodes and was like, yeah, that'll be easy to catch up on. And I said that, like, a year and a half ago. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. There's so much this TV. in my trend. Well, the other thing is I really wanted to watch Batwoman. I was so excited for it, and I forgot to set my DVR, and now I feel like it might be too late <laughs> for me. Well, you can probably catch up a a good bit on uh, the CW's app or their their website with the the five episodes at a time, uh, but Batwoman actually ha- was pretty good. The two, for the two episodes I watched were pretty good. Uh, so I I hope to maybe take this weekend and try to catch up as much as I can uh, beforehand. But I'm guessing your answer is that you have no idea what's going on. Is that oh, correct? I'm I am very confused. <laughs> I I don't know. I don't know what's happening. Uh, <laughs> I was like, uh-oh. See, so I had the best of intentions, which is like I'm going to catch up. I'm going to I'm going to know everything 
there is to know about the crisis. I'm gonna, I'm finally going to catch up on like two seasons of The Flash. Uh, I mean, Arrow's a lost cause. That ship sailed many, many moons ago. But I was like, I can at least be caught up on like The Flash and like Batwoman and maybe maybe a little bit of Black. Maybe I can finish that first season of Black Lightning. And what I've done is nothing. <laughs> I was, I was I had such big aspirations. Well, uh, we can talk about it a little bit. Well, I'm going to our- come into this crisis real cold. <laughs> so, so if you want, if you if you want to get the perspective of a person who only watches like one to two of the shows involved in crisis, if it's on, un- and and you're asking yourself, I watch all these shows. Is this understandable to somebody who just watches one or two? I am going to be that person. We'll find out. <laughs> We're going to find out together. (laughs) Well, uh, that's a good way to look at that. Uh, (laughs) I'm doing a service. (laughs) To see if it really gels together. Uh, Yeah, we'll talk a little bit about the crisis stuff because there were a couple of teases in this week's episode. Supergirl finally decided to get on the crisis train. So uh, we are are heading in to Crisis on Infinite Earths. Uh, so that uh, just a reminder about the crossover podcasting event. First one is Wednesday, December 11th at 9 p.m. Eastern. So be there. Mixler.com slash DCTV podcast. If you've never if this if this is new to you, this this live stuff that we do, it's a lot of fun. We have a live chat. Everybody hops in the chat. Everybody's kind of communicating back and forth. A lot of our regular listeners get in there. So it's a lot of fun because we we can recognize usernames. So uh, it's it's tons of fun. Come and chat with us live about the event. We'll take your thoughts. And uh, you can be part of the uh, the crossover just like we will be. And we'll figure out Crisis on Infinite Earths together we're all in this together you guys (laughs) (laughs) all right well that's all the news we have for this week so let's get into the episode discussion of the wrath of rama khan so here's the official description quote supergirl's struggle against leviathan reaches a boiling point as she faces off against rama khan meanwhile as lena and hope work to launch project non nochere is how uh katie mcgrath (laughs) pronounces it uh Hope, hope pronounces uh no Hope proves to be an invaluable asset to Lena, unquote. She literally says that <laughs> in the episode. Uh, so very verbatim description for this week's episode. So I guess the first thing we should talk about, because it was such a big deal in the episode, is that Lena is trying to implement her her big project, her do-no-harm project, which is actually going to control everybody's minds on the planet. She's got the, <laughs> she's got the worldwide distribution now with Myriad. And the Q waves from Malefic. She's got her her stuff in place. She's gonna implement it from Mount Norquay. What did you think about Lena in this episode? Um, oh Lena, oh Lena, <laughs> Lena, Lena, girl, what what are you doing? <laughs> um, I this is as close as we've gotten to like a Lena, like Lena Luther. Um, evil genius and I, I I kind of appreciate that Lena is like kind of a bad evil genius she's like <laughs> she's like listen I've got my evil plan and I'm sticking to it but I don't want to hurt my robot friend that's very important to me I, I cannot let my robot friend sacrifice herself she is my only friend I made her 
Um, my robot friend is really, if you think about it, like a, a Russian nesting doll of my <laughs> two of my only friends. Like, <laughs> so, um, I laughed the amount that I laughed when Hope goes like Lena, Eve and I love you and do anything for you. Eve told me herself <laughs> and I was like girl no she didn't she did not sign up she's like I will gladly throw myself on the fire to save the world and and Eve inside of her is like excuse me and she's like Eve feels the same and Eve's like no I don't don't throw me off she's <laughs> Lena, Lena's like, but you could die, and Eve is like, Eve. Uh, Lena's like, you could die, and Hope is like, Eve and I would be glad to die, and Eve's like, what? <laughs> Excuse me? Uh, that was like my big slap of the episode, I think, where I was like, I don't think you got Eve's buy-in on this. I don't think, we've, I don't hope, hope, girl. I don't think we've heard from Eve for quite some time. <laughs> Oh, my stomach hurts so last so much. I just love the like continually throwing Eve under the bus. <laughs> like like when Eve finally gets back to her body, she's gonna be like, wait, I'm in jail? <laughs> 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 Welcome back. You've been uh, you've been taken over by a robot for several months. Uh, you have quite some legal fees. Like, <laughs> why? <laughs> and poor poor Eve seemed like she was trying to go straight and be on the download. Wasn't she a, a waitress at a like a local dive bar when Eve Lena kidnapped her? Trying to live a simple life. <laughs> She's she's going to wake up and so there's going to be all these news stories about her <laughs> taking Lena Luthor captive <laughs> trying to brainwash the whole world. <laughs> He's going to come to and there's going to be there's going to be like an excellent true crime podcast <laughs> that I would listen to about how Eve is not is really innocent of all the crimes <laughs> against her. It's going <laughs> to It's going to be like an NPR podcast that I'd be really into. <laughs> I would be into that too. Um, is it just me? Oh, sorry, okay, uh, back up. Uh, I will back up here. Um, so I initially, when we were getting little bits of Evil Lena throughout the first little bit of this season, I was very into it. I was enjoying it. I was giddy about it. This episode took a turn for me because it, when I was watching it, it felt like I was watching an Austin Powers movie because <laughs> I think... Lena, for me, has turned into Dr. Evil. She's got this secret lair, and she's she wants to do some big plan to take over the world. And I just, I couldn't take it seriously. It, I, I think you said it, like, in episode two, maybe, where you were like, this is, this is too fast. Like, this evil plan has gone from zero to 60 really quickly. And now I'm starting to see it. Because it does, I can't take it seriously anymore. This whole, like, I'm going to brainwash the world plan <laughs> because I'm upset. It, it's, it's very mustache twirling Dr. Evil, and now I'm not on board with it anymore. And, like, there's, there is enough Lena in there to be like, okay, let's turn off the kryptonite guns. <laughs> we, don't, we, don't ha we don't have to be this intense. <laughs> While, meanwhile, next to her, Hope is like, are you sure? <laughs> I'm not convinced that, that Hope wasn't the one, like, hitting a beep-boop-bop buttons and being like, oh, no, the kryptonite guns launched. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, wait, how did they go on? 
no idea. <laughs> She's secretly trying to kill Supergirl without Lena knowing. I buy exactly. it. I buy it. Uh, I I still I still have I'm holding out hope for uh, for evil hope. That's I think my uh, my most cherished wish for the season is that hope ends up becoming like the big bad of the season. How could you not do that? It's right there for you. It's right there for you. It's all about technology. The whole season's about technology. Uh, obviously, Lena's whole thing is to do no harm. So, what would be better than that? completely going belly up with her only her her new only friend the good, turning on her the thing that she created and actually does the harm uh yeah because i think you could save lena's soul while also having her creation go evil yeah like she's like listen when i programmed her i was a little angry immediately <laughs> But I programmed her not to hurt anyone. Like, that was her main thing. And it's like, technology finds a way. Like, I mean, this is how we're probably all going to die eventually anyway. Uh, Lena's just speeding it up for us. But, uh, no, I yeah, I agree with you. I think that, like, Lena went from, I think, a very understandable, like, that scene at the end of the last episode where her and Supergirl are kind of uh, having, like, she's kind of having it out with Supergirl and telling her, how badly she hurt her. And then this episode, she's like, I'm in a mountain. Try to get me. And it's like, what? Okay. <laughs> I think the the global aspect of it is what, and the insanity of it is what makes it so silly to me now. It's so intense. It's like she's not testing it out on like a couple of people or like the city or something. She's She's going global. She's going worldwide. I'm not sure she even has, like, a good handle on uh, her uh, robot friend. So I'm not sure that I would trust her <laughs> to do it worldwide. Like, what happens when you when she, uh, like, puts this thing out there? Has she even, has she tested it? Does she know what? Because obviously, uh, I mean, there it's not going to just be, like, everybody wakes up and they're like, I'm nice now, actually. And then you look go online and all the comments of every YouTube video are just hearts and flowers. <laughs> like, that's not what's going to happen. Like, people are just going to, like, end up freaking out in some way. So you would think that she would have, like, tested it in some like instead of being like now the world is uh will be nice finally so i think that lena finally bumped into the insanity of her plan because in the episode lena is talking to hope and she says your partnership has meant the world to me you're the only friend i can count on and hope says miss luther i'm not your friend i'm something you created to serve a purpose <laughs> and that. I know we laugh about it. I know we do. <laughs> that was that. I, I have to say, be, I agree with you that like Lena's dive off the deep end has been way like way too fast. But Katie McGraw has been selling this so hard, and that moment where her face just kind of goes, "Oh no!" Like like there are so many moments in the episode where you see like it's just it's just the acting of it where you see her kind of go like what am I doing? And then she, but then she pushes like every single time you think, okay, Lena's like coming back off of this edge that she's going to, and she's going to really think about her choices. She's like, oh man, I should not do this. And then she like pushes the button. She's like, I guess I did it. <laughs> <laughs> but I actually think there's a really profound moment in that. Like you were talking about how she plays it, in the acting and the facial expressions, because I think 
that it's finally hit Lena that she wants to to have a friend. She wants to have someone who will love and care about her. But she's actually, what she's done is she's created a be- being who, for for her goal, has complete loyalty to her. She wants someone who, who's never going to betray her, or who's never going to lie to her. But because of what Lena has done in the creation of Hope, she's also created someone who has no free will. So she has no ability to override those uh, purposes that Lena has built into her programming. So she's built to serve a purpose for Lena with her little plan that she's got going on. But she doesn't have the programming to be able to be a friend. So I think... If if it was me, I would be like, hmm, hmm. maybe I don't want to brainwash people because no one's ever going to be able to make choices of their own. Yeah, like you can't have a you can't have a like a legitimate, real connection with a you know with a robot that you program to like you. <laughs> uh, and that was also like part of the reason why I laughed so hard about the Eve thing, which is that like. Lena has programmed Hope to be completely loyal and like back her basically be her ride or die, but it's not like Hope has a choice in that. And by proxy, Eve, the vessel of Hope, <laughs> certainly doesn't have a choice in that. Like, like she's uh, Eve's not going like, yeah, I've 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 really looked at all the all the facts and I, I I agree. I think we should sacrifice ourselves to put these brainwaves out there. Like Eve's Eve's literally just a vessel for a computer program. That's like a, a, a little shifty. <laughs> that's putting it uh, lightly. And that's kind of what Lena wants to do to everyone is to, you know, change their, you know, kind of their thought process or thinking to like mind control people, even if the mind control is in the, is in the service of being nicer people or better people or whatever. That's not a genuine change where people are like, you know what? I've been really mean and I'm going to be nicer to people. It's there. They have no choice in the matter. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's, I think it's hopefully starting to hit Lena as to why this is a very, very bad plan that doesn't make any kind of sense. I would hope so, but I don't know. (laughs) In a broader outlook on the episode, um, I actually thought there were some pretty deep things that were being discussed. And I actually really liked the way this episode was written because I know I've personally complained about this on the podcast before where sometimes Supergirl episodes will hit us over the head with something. They'll say the word anger seven times in an episode. They'll have Supergirl mentioned the word hope in a speech multiple times. And so they'll have like a like a word of the a word of the week or a, a theme of the week. And so it's it feels very after school special sometimes. Well, this episode, I thought they did a good job of having themes and things to say about these characters without hitting us over the head with these ideas and spelling it out so obviously that it becomes annoying. Um, so I liked that this episode it had stuff in here that was written to be embedded within the characters and the story that they were telling. So, for example, I thought the two big through lines of this for me were one was redemption and whether or not people can accept or reject it. Um, that what I thought was really cool is that they used different characters to 
uh, be examples of how this works. So, uh, for example, I'll try to outline some of my thoughts. <laughs> so in terms of like seeking redemption, I think you have you have to acknowledge it and you have to accept it before you can actually be redeemed. If they want to if they want to save Lena's soul, Lena's got to think that she has a soul that needs saving, if that makes any sense. So like, <clears throat> for example, Supergirl is a character who knows that she's done something wrong and that she's got to make it right. And she says, I'm the one who hurt Lena, so I'm going to fix this. And uh, so she knows that she needs redemption in that area. She needs something that she, uh, she needs a fix for the bad thing or the wrong thing that she's done. Um, in another example of Supergirl, she says, um, uh, Ramakan says, people never change. And Supergirl says, no, Ramakan, you're wrong. People can change. That is what's so beautiful about this world. Like, she is willing, she is in the, this position, Supergirl is, where she needs forgiveness, she needs redemption, but she's also recognizing that other people can be redeemed and saved and forgiven. And um, and because of that, Supergirl is willing to uh, put out the, the, the peace flag for Lena, and she says, I'm not going to give up on you. So I think that's good for Supergirl to be willing to accept that. And then Jean also was a good example of this, because when he's talking about Malefic, he says people make mistakes and they do terrible things. We have to let them do better, bring them back into the light. Otherwise, what's the point in trying to save everyone? So I, I, although I do find it funny because the Martians, I think it was in last week's episode, they were like, oh, there's no right and wrong. There's no bad or <laughs> there's no good and evil. And I was like, mm, really? Um, so I, I like that they have characters who are acknowledging um, uh, how someone can, can be redeemed. And then there are characters like Rama Khan who uh, is not going to offer any kind of forgiveness. He says existence is their sin. So he's a guy who thinks there's nothing that can be done to redeem yourself, to, to be forgiven. He's, he's wanting to perform extin- extinction-level events because he thinks people are so bad and they can't change. Then there are characters like Lena and Lex who don't even think they need to be forgiven. Lena says, I am good and I always was. She says, I lost. This is a, a life lesson to learn that sometimes the good guys don't win. And Lena says to Supergirl, did it ever occur to you that I was going to do something good for the world? Like she thinks I'm doing good. I don't know what you're talking yeah, about. From, from her perspective, um, Supergirl's the villain here. Like right. Supergirl, she's like, listen, I'm working really hard to do this thing that's going to you know, change the world and, and make everything better. And you're the one who's messing up my plan. Uh, she doesn't see that, like, it's not a great idea to mind control people. Um, she's just not, that's not getting, that's not getting through right now. <laughs> There's so many things pointing her to it, but it's not fully there yet. Lena, there are so many moments for you to, <laughs> to really to turn this ship around. She was like, no, straight to the to the iceberg, please. <laughs> That's where I want to go. <laughs> but I also liked the um like you like you mentioned sometimes the Supergirl episodes can be a little bit like hope, 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 anger. Um <laughs> and they can also sometimes be like, this is what you should think. Uh but I liked that they had the two sort of perspectives where it's Alex and uh, Kara arguing about what they're going to do about the Lena situation. 
and I, I, I think that they gave weight to each of their arguments. Like, I don't think that we were supposed to dismiss Alex's perspective out of hand, even though I think, you know, as viewers, a lot of us do care about Lena um, and are like, no, you can't just blow Lena up. But I think that, I think that Alex did make like a good point, which is like, we're, we're risking everybody to save this one person. Is that, you know, is that the right thing to do? And, and I thought that that, that it was nice that the show kind of in this episode, you see all these different, all these different sort of perspectives on redemption, but you also sort of see these different perspectives on kind of like, believing in people and hoping at people, even if they're not showing you their best side. And, and so we see Alex's argument about, you know, saving a lot of people versus, you know, trying to save just this one person. And then you see obviously Supergirl side, which is, you know, if we can save Lena, we have to save Lena. And I thought that that was a, a, like a good argument that they made between those two characters instead of just having like one of the characters be like completely wrong, obviously, and then have the other character have to like school them on it or something. I think that Alex had some, some solid points about, you know, we are risking a lot of people if we, you know, let Lena put out her mind control gamma rays. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Supergirl says, uh, Lena is not Lex. I will not treat her like a villain. And Alex says, I know you won't. That's why I have to. So, yeah, I think they did give, um, a, a lot of weight to both arguments, and I think that both of them are valid and good. And I liked that the episode gave Alex the chance to uh, decide which one she was going to go with. And I think in the end, she made the right choice, especially when she was given the odds from Brainy. I think that yeah, you know, that made a lot of sense. I also liked that Alex got to be director of the DEO in this episode. Like she, what is that? She has been, um, the director of the DEO for like a year and a half now. And this is one of the first episodes where I was like, yes, that's, she's clearly, everyone's listening to her. She is the director of the (laughs) DEO, uh, because she had to make this big decision and it really did come down to her. And I liked the, I liked all the scenes where, she was talking to Jean and was like, well, you have, you had to do this all the time. Like, how did you do this? This is like really hard. And he was like, I don't know your problem now. Uh. <laughs> yeah. And so the, the only thing I liked getting to see her as director, but I also was like, is, is the American government not getting involved in this? Is this, oh, they're not interested in any way. No. <laughs> is, is the president not stepping in here? Does he not they're, have, they're, they're really busy trying to figure out what an executive order is. <laughs> So they've got, they've got other stuff on their plates. I just kept thinking, well, doesn't she take orders from the president? I'm pretty sure she did at one point. So speak, speaking of that, I mean, when you're talking about let's deep dive, why if Alex and everybody at the DEO knows that it was Lena, clearly Lena, heard it was Lena from Lena's mouth, that, Le- that Lena was the one who was trying to do this plan, why is it that the FBI was just like, oh, cool. It's obviously this blonde chick. Let's take her away. Like, couldn't couldn't the DEO be like, listen, we, we were all here when, like, Supergirl talked to her and she was, like, basically outlining her evil plan to Supergirl? Like, is that not compelling? <laughs> yeah, and you would think Brainy would be recording all of that. Yeah, they, they tried to hand wave it at the end where they were like, oh, and there were all these documents backing. Like, what documents did Lena and Hope come up with? <laughs> 
that 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 backed up this whole plan because it seemed like a spur of the minute decision. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was like <laughs> hope is like look in the second drawer. I have several contingency plans, <laughs> and then and then it's like one contingency plan that's like I took you hostage, and then there's like five contingency plans underneath that are just like the murder of different people, <laughs> and then it's like oh no. <laughs> Some like child's drawings of like her ki- hope killing Supergirl. <laughs> Just like a stick figure with a cape and an S in the chest, exactly. with like a giant knife in her head. And she's like, I don't, I don't know how this is a plan, but. <laughs> Um, yeah, the, I have a lot of questions about that. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, but I, but I did genuinely think that the, the outlining of, uh, redemption and how to seek it was, was good in this episode. And I thought it was a, an especially nice touch that, um, so we, we, I kind of talked about the, the different characters who embody different things. And I think Lex is a character who, has chosen to walk away from redemption. Like he's been given that option and he walked away from it because they, they mentioned that Lex's favorite quote from John Milton's paradise lost is a rise or be forever fallen. And so I think that applies to Lex in terms of him not arising. And so his two options are arise or be forever fallen. And I think he chose to be forever fallen. So I, I really thought that that was actually very well written um, and and outlined in terms of themes and what they were trying to say about these characters. So I really liked that a lot. Um, there was also some discussion about purpose. Uh, Jean talks to Malefic about being the promise, and um, Hope says that she's created for a purpose, and Lex Luthor was even brought back to life because the universe will need a mind like his, so he's going to serve a purpose in crisis. So I, I think the show had a lot of actually very i don't say this often because sometimes it doesn't apply to this show but it actually had a lot of deep thought-provoking things going on (laughs) so i really appreciate i think my favorite episodes of supergirl have that kind of extra layer to the writing and uh this one uh delivered on that on that uh front yeah i agree i think there were there were like layers in this one uh that i enjoyed where you can kind of think of it you know, this story kind of layers on top of this story and interacts with this story. And I I think that this, it really worked very well in this episode. Yeah. And uh, I guess one of the next sort of biggest components to this episode was the Rama Khan stuff where he's, he's uh, trying to, I guess, uh, create another Mm. Pompeii with a super volcano. This is where the episode started to kind of fall apart for me, personally. Yeah, this part of the episode, not the part of the episode that I thought was deep and profound and was, (laughs) like, making me, really making me think about things. Not the well-written portion. Yeah, this part of the episode, I went, there's a super volcano (laughs) in the middle of National City? Like... This is the first we've. What is where in the world is national? Is national city? <laughs> this is all on that show. That's Oamide, yeah. That's Oamide, uh, yeah. Because we've never been to. They go. That. They go into a geography lesson on where national city could possibly be. That they have a super volcano just chilling in the middle of it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> What? And then I I do love that Ramakan that his power is like 
dirt and he's like just so committed to it he's just like you know what fear me i've got a pile of fertilizer in that corner i'm not afraid to use it and you're like i'm sorry what (laughs) when he it was i'm i believe it was it was this episode right where he gets a crotta and he like basically throws her on the pile of dirt and then sticks his little like yes that was this week yeah i couldn't remember if it was because i i watched them back to back um yeah i was like what is hap is happening also i got really mad at um andrea rojas when she hopped into the deo and and she was like he's trying to kill everyone instead of being like he's trying to start a he's like trying to make a super the super volcano that we all know we have in the city we all understand that you've grown up around it <laughs> like why didn't she knew she probably had like one second to tell them relevant information and she told them nothing she was just like Aah! and then they pulled her out and i was like really you don't even just want to yell super volcano <laughs> and she's like the newswoman could she I frame can't. that in, in in a headline a way to bury the lead <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, some of the Andrea Rojas stuff I was having a a tough time with. I was just like, seriously? (laughs) Yeah, the the Ramakan stuff I was not crazy about. I, the thing that I did enjoy was uh, a couple little vague things they put in there. Maybe we'll get more information about this uh, coming up, but they mention a she- in terms of uh, possibly their big boss uh, at Leviathan headquarters. So they answer to a, a female. And I was like, ooh, is this the, the worst character in DC Comics, Talia al Ghul? Is that, is that who that is? <laughs> my, my, my fictional nemesis? Is that, is that who we're talking about? Um, Here she comes. <laughs> that, that would be my, my big dream. But I, I don't know. I can't, I can't trust them to do anything uh, that I want to do. Uh, but so that I kind of uh, held on to. Uh, there was also a very pointed line of dialogue that um, I was like, is this supposed to be something or are they just messing with me? <laughs> uh, where is that in my notes? Uh, so Gamimne, which is apparently how you say her name, uh, which now that I'm looking at it is completely correct. Uh, she says, the humans will destroy this planet until we destroy them first. And Ramakan says, but how? The Kryptonian won't stop. She will die to protect these humans. And then Gamimne says, then let Supergirl die trying. And I don't know about you, Morgan, but to have them talk about Supergirl's death one week before Crisis on Infinite Earths, hmm. that, that felt important. It is a little suspicious. Uh, so <laughs> I I don't know. I'm I'm not really uh, anticipating Supergirl having a big to do in Crisis, unfortunately, because and this is nothing any of our sources have. Again, we don't really have a lot of them, and, <laughs> and most of the time they don't share anything with us. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, there's so much Superman stuff going on, and now apparently Jean is more important to the crisis <laughs> I was, stuff. I was about to say, okay, can we talk for a second about... So I was talking to um, 
my fiance today and I was, we were talking about crisis. And as I was talking about it, that's when I realized I was like, wait a minute. Cause I was like, Oh, Supergirl is like the show is barely has been barely involved in crisis thus far. And he was like, Oh no, that's not true. The guy came at the end of the last episode. And I was like, yeah, to talk to, wait a minute to talk to Jean. Yeah. <laughs> so, so far the two Supergirl characters that seem like they are going to be in involved in crisis Jean and Lex Luthor. It, I mean, it does make me a little angry that Supergirl is not even important enough for Crisis on the show Supergirl. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is annoying a little bit to me for them to drop that stuff about Supergirl's death because if you don't know, which you probably do, so I don't want to talk down to anybody listening, but if you're not aware. Supergirl dies in the comic book iteration of Crisis on Infinite Earths. It's one of the biggest things that happened in her run of comic book history. It is the thing that wiped her out of comics for a long, long time. So Crisis on Infinite Earths is a big deal in the character history, the 60-year character history of Supergirl. So for them to mention the Supergirl death in the dialogue and then not have anything for Super... Like, it doesn't feel like Super... this is totally kind of off topic. Well, kind of on topic, but it's something for our crossover event. But uh, it just seems like Supergirl should be playing a bigger role in Crisis. And I'm a little frustrated that it just seems like we're getting hit with thing after thing after thing that is not related to Kara. Like, everything else is important in Crisis but Kara. And I know she's got a lot of stuff going on with Lena right now, so maybe that's part of it, but... I don't know. It's just the dialogue was really interesting to me because I thought, oh, well, is Supergirl going to have some kind of crisis thing that she's going to have to deal with? And then I just I don't know. I'm so pessimistic going into crisis because I'm not I'm not worried about Supergirl. Um, So I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to be open minded. Maybe they'll maybe they'll do something that's going to wow me. But as a Kara fan, I'm disappointed by that. Yeah, I I was, too. I was like. I was kind of hoping that when the monitor, that's his name, right? Yes, he is the monitor and the uh, being that was released, I guess, at the end of the episode is the anti-monitor. Okay, yeah. Real complicated characters. There's the (laughs) the positive and the negative. So when the monitor showed up, I was like, he's going to go talk to Kara, right? But no, no. I mean, it's cool that the Jean storyline sort of resolved in the, in this way, and like it kind of explains why he let his brother out and like what that purpose was. But to have like the the crisis not even seemingly have anything to do with the main character of the show, it doesn't it doesn't make me super jazzed about it. <laughs> yeah, I just I just wish we. And, and maybe they're not telling us anything about Supergirl because she's going to have an important role in Crisis. I, I hope that's why we haven't gotten anything. But it just, it's hard. It's hard as a Supergirl fan to go into this, like, excited about Supergirl. Uh, because it just, there's been nothing. Um, anyway, so I guess we'll find out uh, the next time around uh, when we uh, podcast about things. We will know kind of what Crisis is up to. So we'll we'll have to see. I'm very curious about it, but also kind of dreading it. (laughs) So we'll (laughs) we'll see. Hopefully hopefully it'll be good. Um, 
and before we wrap up some discussion about Ramakan, because I really, those are kind of my main thoughts. My main takeaways was the, the mention of the she and the fact that um, Ramakan mentioned that Supergirl could be dying. <laughs> Meanwhile, my main takeaway was, does he always carry around a bunch of fertilizer with him? <laughs> Is that a thing he does? He apparently... Is he on some sort of watch list by now? <laughs> He's buying so much fertilizer, this guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, another uh, good question uh, came from... Uh, at MOS Answers, so this is Man of Steel Answers. Uh, if you are into the uh, Snyder take on Superman with the DCEU, I highly recommend Man of Steel Answers Insight Commentary Podcast. Doc Ock does an amazing job. He's probably one of the be- better podcasters I know. Uh, but he had a question, and so I guess we'll open up a little bit of a, a boardroom or ballroom. We can talk about Lena Luthor's uh, attire if you wish. Uh, but I think we, we had a request to talk about uh, Mr. Rama Khan because uh, at MOS Answers says, before Khan exits the story, I want a boardroom or ballroom about his costume because it's not what he wears in private or for comfort. So that outfit is a choice. <laughs> And now, Lena Luther, boardroom or ballroom? My big uh, problem with his costume, he, he looks very regal. He, he called himself a god in this week's episode. So I think this outfit is trying to uh, pump him up as somebody who's uh, supposed to be someone of noteworthy status. I think it's tr- trying to show that he looks like a king, that he looks like a god. But... Uh, I, I don't understand I, I don't understand how this outfit plays into his dirt throwing abilities. If you wanted to look really regal, would you want to get dirt on it? That's my big question. <laughs> That's a good question. It's a good question. What's what if I mean? What is his dry cleaning bill? Do you think is this, is this super high? Uh, I just like the idea that he is like okay, time to. Uh, time to get that super volcano popping off. <laughs> hold on, a, hold on a second. I need to, I need to change into my like knight of the round table look. <laughs> I just, I have to be serving the right look when I'm burning down the world. <laughs> <laughs> Got to wipe out humanity with my, <laughs> with my like fancy gauntlets and. <laughs> It looks like he's wearing some kind of like gold choker. Yeah, yeah, he definitely has some big thing around his neck. I I guess he never felt like he needed to blend in with uh normal society, like current No, day. clearly not. <laughs> yeah, he's still stuck in whatever time period this is. So he doesn't care if he gets seen, which is fascinating. Uh but yeah, he definitely has it does sort of look like a medieval look to him. He is doing he is doing himself and he's loving it. He's like, This is this is the real Ramakan. <laughs> I don't I don't wanna edit myself. <laughs> and this has been Lena Luther, boardroom or ballroom. All right. Well, is there anything else you wanted to bring up before we wrap up our thoughts on the episode? I guess this is the last we're going to see a Malefic. I'm a little bit more sad about the uh, departure of John's car. Yeah, well, I'm sure it'll come back. I'm sure Malefic will show back up sometime. But 
I it's weird with the Malefic story. Like I was into it at first, and then for a couple episodes, I was like, <laughs> and now this week, I was into it again. So this has been a real roller coaster ride for me with this Malefic story because I think it ended nicely. It had a good ending it did. to it, but uh, it took me a while to get back on on the on the train. I, I did like the way that it ended, and I I, I liked the way that they like. So he sort of saw him off and kind of gave him the idea of like, this is what you were always you were always meant to, like have saved our people. Kind of like reframing these gifts that m- ended up getting him stuck in like, uh, like prison basically multiple times. And he's like, what if instead you were, you know, these gifts were for you to save our people? And I think that's sort of a nice way to reframe the idea or, or like sort of offer the idea of redemption, which was a big part of the episode, which is that, you know, some sometimes you can take the things that are negative in your life and you can turn them into something positive. And Malefic made that choice. He made the choice to help the DEO and to do the right thing. And he made the choice to go to Mars and be part of the uh, sort of Martian resistance movement with Magan. So he's making the steps and taking taking that opportunity to make himself better and to help other people and to redeem himself for all the bad things that he's done. Uh, but And he recognized that he had done some bad things. So I think Malefic is a good character to be an example of that redemption that some of these characters are sort of thinking about and, and seeking this season. So, yeah, I think it uh, it had a good ending to it. Um, so what are your overall thoughts just uh, really quickly about this episode? What do you think? I really liked this one. I thought it was really well done. Um, I really I think, you know, having Lena as an adversary right now is is obviously like built in drama because we care about Lena. We care about Supergirl and Carr and everybody. So getting to see the different perspectives on redemption, getting to see the different perspectives on like what to do about Lena, um, the way that, like, Alex had to kind of step up into that role in the DEO. Uh, I thought that this whole episode was really well done. It's like one of my fa- probably one of my favorites of the season. I think there were some things that were not well written. The Ramacon stuff, I, w- I felt like it was a the kind of... giant pile of dirt. <laughs> kind of a snorefest. I don't really care about him as a villain. I'm more intrigued about the she he was talking about. Um... And I was kind of disappointed that at the very beginning of the episode, Kara was rescued from the the ice prison, the ice jail, uh, so quickly. Uh, that seemed like that could have uh, festered a little bit. But that's okay, uh, because the writing and other parts of the episode, I thought, was really strong. And some of the emotional beats, the, the montage at the end, seeing Lena and Kara looking at the same picture, I thought that was really well done. Uh, I know people uh, ship them romantically, but for me, I think it's uh, more interesting to show uh, a female friendship because that's very rare on television. That's why I loved playing House on USA because it was. Oh, this, that show was so good. It's so good. If you've never seen Playing House, you should watch it. But that show was built around a female friendship and and showing what that was like. And for me, I thought it was so genuine. Um, uh, and it was kind of personal to me towards the end because one of the characters, spoiler alert, um, goes through breast cancer. And so that's a big deal. Uh, so, uh, that, that I think is really interesting to see the show tackle on, uh, 
a female, like a, like a friendship. We've had a lot of romantic relationships on the show, and we've had the Kara Wynn friendship, and we've had the Kara James friendship, but we haven't really kind of uh, delved in really deeply on the female friendships as much. So the Carolina f- dynamic is a, a really good one to do that with. And so I really liked that because I don't know if you feel like this, Morgan, but I, in my uh for me personally, like I really value my female friendships and some of them are my strongest friendships in my life. And so I think those, those relationships are really important. And so I think that that is uh, something I'm glad this show is taking seriously. So uh, while I thought some things were kind of silly and Dr. Evilish in this episode, I think for the most part it was really well written and I was very interested in what they were trying to say and uh, so that kind of tipped it over as a good episode for me. Yeah, I'm really interested in the in the like sort of redemption arc or or maybe not of of Lena Luther and and seeing how Kara doesn't want to just give up with on her and is not just writing her off off like offhand and it really understands that she's hurt and that she's sort of acting out. And I think that that is, sort of makes this storyline way more compelling and, and more interesting. And I think it's, you know, somebody who, like people who have different perspectives. I, I, I like, I like the way that they're, I do think that they, you know, they went from one to mustache twirling really fast, <laughs> but, but I, I do like that they, even though Lena is doing some, real crazy things there's still like there's still a bit of lena where she's like no 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 don't fire the kryptonite guns like we don't have to do that and hope is like don't we <laughs> uh, so i i like that you know that there's they haven't gone all evil on lena like they haven't sort of sw- flipped a switch and been like no no she's evil now uh they're sort of showing how she's been sort of driven to to this point um through some of the experiences in her life and also through this betrayal, this feeling of betrayal that she has. And you only feel that like that deep sense of betrayal. If you were, you know, if you really cared about the other person. Uh, so I think that having this sort of um, storyline where the quote unquote villain is somebody who's very close to Supergirl and also, you know, somebody that the viewers care about, like just makes the story that much more interesting because now I care about both sides versus, you know, when Rama Khan like saunters in in his uh, King Arthur gear and then like <laughs> throws a, a handful of dirt at somebody's face and I don't <laughs> care at all. And he's just like super volcano. And I'm like, cool, dude. <laughs> like every time we got back to the Rama Khan storyline in, in the episode, like the episode just ground to a halt. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Uh, I think it would have been better without the Ramakan distraction, which it even was in the episode. <laughs> yeah, that is very true. Well, uh, I guess that's going to do it for our discussion, but let's find out what our listeners had to say about the wrath of Ramakan. <laughs> um, our first tweet is from at Electra WWF. Lena, everyone thinks I'm as bad as my family. All I want to do is mind control everyone to behave the way I think they should. I'm good. Uh, <laughs> it's true. Uh, and then, did Nash just unlock the prison the anti-monitor has been trapped in? Because I don't think that was the monitor talking to him. Yeah, I think it was the anti-monitor. Interesting. Um, at 
have underscore geek said, I'm not impressed with Lena's motivation uh, or Alice's on Batwoman. If you, unlike me, watched Batwoman. <laughs> uh, every, to- uh, every time either starts complaining why they're having to do what they do, I just think, boo-hoo. Um, at Frack tall inverter said uh, anyone else made the eerie parallel between fiction and reality uh, how Lena is abusive putting cl- uh, claustrophobic bar into a tiny cell and hurting her with kryptonite while Carr is busy making up excuses for Lena's behavior honestly Alex needs to pull Carr out of that friendship yeah there was a little bit of me that was like Kara stop trying to justify what she's doing uh, because Kara was basically like well, she's not hurting anybody. I mean, she's just maybe going to try to brainwash everybody, but she's not, like, killing them or anything. It's just a little light brainwashing. <laughs> yeah, I was like, Kara, she's still doing something really bad. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, uh, uh, boy. Uh, at VH451 said, Leviah who? Rama, what's it? The Ark. <laughs> I mean, those would be pretty great villains as well. Uh, <laughs> the Ark of the season should be the fight for Lena's soul, not Leviathan. That's much more compelling to me than cosplay Rama A.D. Skinner. Not a diss, not a diss on Mitch Pelegi. Just don't care for Rama Khan. Still, a good mid-season finale. Bring on Crisis. We totally didn't talk about it because we're both big Dallas fans. Um, we did not even mention the fact that Mitch Pelegi and um, Julie Gonzalo had scenes together. Oh, yeah. I for- I completely forgot about that. Yeah, it was a Dallas reunion <laughs> up in there. <laughs> the only way that that could have been better was if, like, Brenda um, Strong's- all of a sudden Brenda Strong <laughs> burst out of that giant pile of fertilizer. <laughs> That would have been and amazing. then they all had a scene together. That would have been so good. Talking about like oil and farmland. <laughs> exactly. She just bursts out and she's like, you can never have my oil. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's so confused. <laughs> oh, man. What a great show. Uh, <laughs> at Kitty Cat 53 said, a strong episode that somehow managed to keep Kara and Lena totally apart. Holograms don't count. However, we could see cracks in Lena's villainous uh, megalomaniac mask. She seemed genuinely concerned about losing hope. Uh, Alex loves Lena too? Who knew? <laughs> Smiley face. I mean, Alex is kind of a friend to Lena. I mean, we saw them. They all used to hang out. Yeah, they, they hung out. Sam game night. was around. Yeah. Yeah, game night. I did, I did like when, I think it was Alex who pointed out, like, all the shady things Lena's done throughout the years. And Cara was like, okay, well, I mean, did she kill anyone? <laughs> <laughs> but did they die? <laughs> They don't know about the science murdering. That's true. I didn't think about the fact that they don't know about the science murdering. <laughs> oh, such a good one. Uh, at at Shinko um, 0278 said, Sad at the fact Lena thinks Kara portrayed her when it was actually Alex, with the new baddie being the mom from Stranger Things, uh, which I had canon Lena and Kara watching. I'm waiting for someone to go, do I know you from somewhere? They would only do that on Legends, though. That's who it was. 
Oh my God. Thank I'm, you. I'm totally lost. I don't watch Stranger Things. I was trying to, I've been trying to place this woman for like two to three episodes now. And I just can't. I was like, was she on Dallas too? <laughs> <laughs> and it's because uh, it's the mom from Stranger Things. Is, okay. Well, is, is this no. talking about Gamemne? Yes. Okay. Well, now I don't feel crazy anymore. I was like, I don't understand how I feel like I know this actress. Uh, at Patty Mello 20 said Lena can't even have the friend that she built (laughs) (laughs) someone hug this woman please Cara defending Lena at all costs is literally me she hasn't done anything that bad she's just lost where where is Nia has she been dreaming about crisis this whole time hope is in prison now the irony Nia definitely was not in the episode neither was William has Nia been in like the last couple episodes I'm trying to think I think a lot of last week was Carolina stuff so yeah Nia, Nia hasn't been but I guess I would rather her not be in episodes instead of shoving her in when it's not needed then her just being in the background be like hold on I'm I'm looking something up on the computer <laughs> Yeah. Um, at SL Fricky said, shut up, Alex. Your organization detains people illegally, poses fraudulently as the FBI, and developed kryptonite weapons in the first place. Uh, so the Leviathan Ark is actually JLA Obsidian Age? Uh, okay. <laughs> Hope. Hopefully organizing prison escape. <laughs> 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 that's that's a new highlight. I think that's a new high point for the ho- the hope acronyms. Uh, if anybody could break out of prison, I think it would be hope. I, I believe in her. <laughs> Well, we received an email from Danae who writes, quote, I didn't really understand what they were trying to do with Alex. The way she was saying that Lena had held Sam in a bunker, even though at the time she had a conversation with Lena about this and said she understood. Or talking about Lena secretly using Harinelle, even though last season she encouraged Lena to work with it in order to save James. And when she said she wasn't willing to use Malefic to combat Myriad because she didn't want to use a former... Threat to face a threat to face a current threat. Yet her own plan involved Claymore, which is a satellite that was almost used by Lex to blow up Argo City. That sounds like a former threat to me. I wish instead they would have leaned into Alex's history with Myriad more. I mean, in the season one finale, it literally controlled her to wear a kryptonite armor and tried to kill Supergirl, and they didn't even mention any of it. Unquote. Uh, Danae bring in all the receipts. I can explain that because that, see, Danae, that happened in season one. <laughs> and and we don't we don't talk about season one. We don't mention season one. <laughs> I mean, that's such a good point, though. Like, they, they really didn't bring up any of that Myriad stuff. Like, we did see how terrified Kara was of Myriad because, you know, obviously R.I.P. Kelly. Um, Never forget. But- Ne- never forget but like they didn't bring up the you know that myriad had a pretty uh traumatic effect on alex too uh yeah she tried to kill her sister N- not great <laughs> uh, um so we heard from joseph who writes since season three if not two i've been on lena's side with her whole argument as her story arc this season hits a little too close for comfort with trusting or opening up to other people it's a mark of good character work and stories that when she did reveal to car that she has known 
for a while, and Cara makes her argument, I can easily sympathize with both sides of the argument. In my opinion, this makes up for the only weak element I found in Season 3 of Lena and Cara being at odds for a few episodes. Great story arcs for both thus far, and can't wait to see more. Leslie, one of our Supergirl Radio legal consultants, wrote in to share some thoughts of the legal variety, saying, quote, Just as Alex Cara and Jean wrongfully condoned President Marsden holding a position for which she was constitutionally constitutionally ineligible, we now have Cara and Alex both well aware that Lena had committed several felonies wanting uh, warranting her immediate arrest and doing nothing about it. So <laughs> let's get into this. Uh, so Leslie says, the FBI does not let the suspect talk them out of an arrest for which they have probable cause, meaning the FBI had probable cause to believe that a crime was committed and that Lena probably committed it. We do not need a finding beyond a reasonable doubt at this juncture. Both Alex and Kara know Lena killed Lex and deployed Myriad, yet Lena avoids arrest for Lex's homicide and Myriad? Lena should not be able to avoid arrest for Lex's homicide because he is a bad he is a bad person and menace, or because in her mind she has good intentions. Her reasons may be noble, but her actions are still nonetheless crimes. And despite what Kara said, it is irrelevant that Lena allegedly did not physically hurt Malefic. Uh, she did imprison him, by the way, uh, <laughs> against his will. Uh, Leslie goes on to say Le- Lena still imprisoned him against his will and incepted him. Then there is what Lena did to Eve. I am sure that was not fun for Eve. And continues to be not fun for Eve. (laughs) (laughs) Leslie finishes up saying, Lena should have been arrested with her, perhaps having a viable defense called third-party guilt. Just because Lena may have a third-party guilt defense in Hope slash Eve as the alleged perpetrator of these crimes, the FBI or the DEO still should have arrested her. If Alex and Supergirl are all about justice, then Lena should have been arrested and stand and should stand trial. The writing in this regard was nonsensical, unquote. Thank you, Leslie. Thank you. That was like my big, that was my big takeaway too when the FBI came and it was like, no, 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 it was her. And they were like, yeah, that tracks. Okay, lock her up. <laughs> what? <laughs> Seemed a little too easy. But I think part of that was to get Andrea Brooks off the board so she could go have a baby. Yeah, I suspect that's true. (laughs) I think they kind of had to do that. Uh, Courtney asks, with Eve slash Hope in jail, can Lena communicate with her since she's like a walking hard drive? Or will she just extract Hope back to her Alexa unit and Eve will wake up having no clue why or how she got in jail? (laughs) That is, oh my God, that is my favorite. That is my favorite new theory. Because could you just imagine, could you imagine Eve like wakes up and she's like, oh God, I had the weirdest dream. (laughs) Why am I in jail? (laughs) Meanwhile, uh, Eve just like shows up at at Lena's place and she's like, great, just in time for Golden Girls party (laughs) night. (laughs) And then, and then Lena's like, wait, what did you, Eve, what did you just do? And Eve's like. I ordered the pizza. (laughs) (laughs) I like the idea of her being able to just suck Hope back into her Alexa unit. Because there was like a a tabletop Hope in this episode. Like that little DNA looking thing. That was there in the Mount Norquay evil lair. So I don't know if she can still communicate with like tabletop 1.0 Hope. 
Well, Fanny wrote in to express some concerns about Kara, writing, quote, In this week's episode, Kara kept apologizing to Lena and even said to her that her weakness caused Lex to manipulate Lena. I know Kara has a big heart, but please, the writers are making her look like a fool. It seems all she cares about now is not losing her friend. The world is about to be destroyed, but all she wants to do is make amends with Lena. Alex was the one making sense in this episode, and she was trying to get Kara to snap out of this funk. I hope that things will change uh, after the crossover because I feel the writers are starting to ruin the character of Supergirl. What do you girls think? Unquote. Uh, personally, Fanny, for me, I'm. It's it's been tough to get on the the writer side with Kara because they don't they don't make her prominent in these episodes. They don't give her big storylines of her own. So I'm already sort of struggling on the Kara end. But I think you make good points about how uh, Carr was sort of prioritizing her friendship with Lena over some of the bigger aspects of, of the uh, what they were going to have to do. And I think that's why it was good for Alex to br- bring in that counterpoint to what Carr was feeling. It was sort of a, a facts and feelings debate. Uh, so I get it, though. Carr would care about Lena. I can kind of see, like, to Carr, this all happened, like, like 10 minutes ago, basically, like from the end of last episode to the beginning of this episode, like was basically one continuous thing. So she just found out that Lena like kind of betrayed her and is, is still angry at her. And so I think this is, she's not working from a place where like Lena has been her, you know, has been, she's been in odds with Lena for ages and like Lena's pulling this stuff all the time. This is the first time in her, in her perspective that Lena's done this. So I, I feel like she's still kind of in shock and, and obviously Lena's her friend and she doesn't want to hurt her friend. So I can understand Carr's perspective on that. I don't think that like Alex's perspective wasn't at all valid. I just think that like I I can understand where Kara was coming from. And Kara feels probably like a lot of this is her fault because Lena basically I think has said as much like you messed with me so I decided to brainwash some people. So I think Kara feels like her getting through to Lena will stop her from doing bad things to other people. So I think that's why Kara is so passionate about it. Um, so new Rachel writes, I really miss Nia as a character. However, oddly her powers have been handled and hope that we'll see her and Kara and William, where has he gone at work again in the new year? Their presence was, was missed just because they had been such a big part of the beginning of the season. And now they weren't there. Uh, the Catco stuff has basically, they, Andrea went to Catco at the end of this episode, and she was even thrown against the wall with some dirt at Catco. <laughs> but that's about all the Catco we got this week. I did laugh because I feel like Andrea is, in a small way, continuing on the proud tradition of uh, of using the Catco office at like night. a home. Yeah, <laughs> at night, like like she's like. she's been through this whole horrible thing and she goes back to the one place that she can go to really like unwind and deal with her emotions (laughs) her office like do do people in do they just not have homes or is that office just so comfortable just so cozy that they're like no I just got I want to live I want to be here all the time (laughs) (laughs) I I felt James in that moment and I was like miss you (laughs) His presence is still felt. Exactly. Um, Well, Melina has a theory to share and writes, quote, So Lena doesn't call Kara 
Kara anymore, unless she had to when pretending to still be on good terms. She calls her Supergirl instead to Hope all season. So going over every interaction Lena has ever had with Kara, I have come up with this theory. Lena believes that Kara is not real, that it was all a manipulative act put on by Supergirl to keep an eye on the Luther. So that is why Lena is so upset, because for her, she didn't just lose her best friend. She thinks she never existed in the first place, unquote. Uh, Melina, Ooh. I think that's that's kind of a, a very um, astute observation, I think. I have kind of noticed that she calls her Supergirl more often now. Um, and it's not just because... Well, I guess maybe most of the, this, the interactions lately, she's been Supergirl. Like, she's had the Supergirl costume on. But it is interesting that she's sort of detaching the Kara aspect of it. Her her friend, Kara Danvers, is is gone away. She's just Supergirl now. So um, I think that there's, there's something to that, I think. Um, and then Daryl asks, I can understand why Kara was able to be kept under that rubble if Ramakan used his powers to keep her under there. But why didn't she just heat vision him? in the face probably because in the previous episode she did use heat vision on ramakan and nothing really happened to him <laughs> so i'm guessing that she thought it would be pointless i don't know i'm reading into that but she had previously used heat vision on him before and it didn't have any kind of effect uh and it was actually kind of terrifying when she used it because she at that point didn't know that he was an invulnerable person so she completely used her heat vision on him, knowing that it probably could kill him, and she didn't care. It's very strange, uh, very weird. Um, but that's that's my answer to the question, Daryl. I hope that clears things up. Well, before we wrap up our feedback, we need to make some snap judgments. In the game of snap judgments, each person is presented with two options, but must only choose one. First instincts are recommended and explanations are unnecessary. So our first one comes from at Mark HBPWM, referring to the shows, not the characters. Big distinction here. Uh, Supergirl or Batwoman? Who would you pick? So this is an easy one for me. Uh, Very simple. Supergirl, the show I've watched. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to go Supergirl because I can't make a complete, uh, I've only watched the two episodes of Batwoman, so I can't make a, a really good uh, call on that because it, it's not complete. All right, so from Anna, we've got two snap judgments. So uh, whose life were you briefly most worried about? Kara when she put up her arms in front of the kryptonite cannons or Lena when she picked up the small gun and seemed like she was going to shoot herself. So it did sort of look like that before she gave the gun to Hope. Uh, so which one were you more worried about, Morgan? I think I was more worried about Lena. Yeah, I guess I was probably more worried about Lena because Kara, I, I kept thinking, why don't she just fly away? I know, she didn't She didn't have to continue like floating in place right in front of the Kirtanite cannons. <laughs> Nothing was holding you there. You could have just left. She was just like staring at them going, Lena, don't do it. And I was like, you could like just take a like a, a like one big step to the side. 
Uh, so the next one from Anna is, who looked the most sad while staring at the picture of the two of them, Kara or Lena? Who looked sadder? Hmm. I think Kara did. It's tough because Lena, she's at her apartment where she, I guess, lives with Hope, the, her friend, her robot friend. Uh, <laughs> her she, one friend she made. <laughs> she literally created. Um, she had her hair down, so she didn't have her Luthorian ponytail anymore. And she was drinking and she was looking out of a glass window uh, over the city, which is a very Luthorian thing to do as well. So that to me tells me that she's really upset about what's going on. She's She literally let her hair down. Um, but I think I'm going to go Kara. Kara, I think, even in just that quick shot of her on the couch, uh, she just, she looked like she needed a friend. Like, it just, she anytime Kara is that upset, it, it makes me sad. So I think, I'm going to say Kara on that one. Uh, our last set of snap judgments come from Danae. So the first one is, what was the best Lena slash Hope moment in this episode? <laughs> Hope saying, I'm not your friend, or Hope ending up in jail for Lena? What would you pick? Hmm. Both of those amazing, amazing moments. I have to say, I think I'm going to go with Hope ending up in jail for Lena because now I'm hoping that we get like a, a whole orange is the new hope episode <laughs> where she's just in jail. She's just meeting people in jail and she's like, I'm a robot. How are you? And they're like, well, I'm sorry. What? Or maybe like hope like starts her own like prison gang, but it's just, it's just like based on logic. <laughs> With the goal of destroying Supergirl. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like nicely. <laughs> we're gonna do no harm, but we're also gonna kill Supergirl. I'm gonna figure out how those two things can work together. <laughs> <laughs> well, she has to pretend to be Eve, doesn't she? I guess she does, yeah. Yeah. I do I love the idea though of her like going to jail and she's like as Eve and then she's just like turns to her bunk make it and she goes, I've got a secret and her bunk is like, I don't care and she's like, I am a robot. <laughs> <laughs> Like, well, like, how lucky would you be to get to get a robot roommate? It would be the best. <laughs> I mean, if you're gonna have to be in jail, I mean, there's downsides, definitely. <laughs> um, I think I would like to pick the "I'm not your friend" moment because I thought that that really played into the, some of the themes uh, of the season and the the deeper thing. Uh, that's going on with Lena and her character and the 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 project that she's uh, trying to implement. I th I thought that the the aspect of free will there. I thought that I like that. So I'm gonna go with that answer. Okay. So our last snap judgment. Now that Eve's body is in jail, I, I like how this this is framed. It's not <laughs> it's not the Hope robot in jail. It's Eve's body is in jail. Eve's body. Who will Lena stick an AI into next? Because uh, she might try again. Who knows? Uh, Lily and Luther or Mercy Graves? Now, this is the snap judgment Ooh. is operating under the assumption that Mercy is still alive. An assumption that I share. Uh, so I'm going to go Mercy Graves just because I want to see her again. Um, I, that It would be uh, uh, quite something to see a, a Mercy Graves controlled AI, especially because Lena... Uh, and Mercy Graves were not getting along last time we saw them together. 
uh, the Lena Luther controlled AI would be terrifying. So I think mercy. I think I'm gonna go Mercy Graves. No judgments on your snap judgments. Okay, well, that's going to do it for our thoughts and feedback on the Wrath of Rama Khan. If you'd like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. And uh, please make sure to write or call in before Tuesdays at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, where we also have a Spotify playlist that includes music featured on and inspired by the show. Uh, We're also on Radio Public and Podchaser and on uh, DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. We're also available on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio, so if you have some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review. And you can find links to everything I just mentioned on supergirlradio.com on the right side of the page. And now we throw it over to Ashley for the DC TV plugs. If Supergirl Radio fills your heart with glee, then follow the network for DC TV. Don't fail this city, you've got to hear Quiver, where Amanda and Mike will always deliver. Then run along and check out The Flash. Andy and friends made quite the splash. Don't forget the legends like they all forgot Rip. These ladies would never jax you to the time ship. Then join Clement and Nate in the incredible Brit for Black Lightning's podcast where we all get lit. We come to iZombie, which is very alive, except maybe after the end of season five. Our newest addition to our CW crew is the Batwoman podcast ready for you. We jump over to Sci-Fi, a whole different channel, to check out Krypton way before our bro Kal-El. Then there's DC Universe so we can all stream. The awesome show Titans, we're only summer teens. And if you love the oldies, may I recommend classic DC TV. Honestly, 10 out of 10. That's it, I hope. Please, Andy, good night. But I would make an exception for Young Justice, all right? Check out DC TV Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Facebook, and Twitter. Well, you can follow, follow me on Twitter at DerbyKid, that's D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D, and Instagram at the Derby Kid. I've uh, been trying to practice uh, photography a little more, so I'm venturing out and taking some pictures of things. Uh, so my last couple of, couple of ones I'm pretty proud of. So if you want to check those out, go over to my Instagram uh, I'm also a contributor to JLU Podcast, which you can find over at jluniverse.podomatic.com. If you want to hear me do some voice acting and even a little Morgan Glenn and voice acting, go over uh, find <laughs> a sketch comedy podcast called The Fakest. Um, there's some uh, compilations of the seasons. So if you just want to binge it, you can do all of season one in one kind of uh, fell swoop. And then you can binge all of season two all at once. Whoa. So it's kind of cool. Uh, so you can ha- hear all of the stories, kind of that, that. I haven't I haven't listened to it like that, so I'm curious to see how it sounds. Uh, I also have some uh, YouTube videos that I've uh, finished and are up. Uh, one is a recap I did of Superman Celebration. I'm a couple of months late. I realize this. Uh, it kind of took a backseat for a lot of life change that happened for me. Uh, but I'm pretty proud of it. It, uh, turned out pretty well. So I have some interviews with some people that I met at Superman Celebration. So you can check that at my personal YouTube channel at Duck Milk Prod. And, uh, I shot some interviews for and edited, uh, around a 10 minute piece for a project going on at Mountville Archaeological Park, which is in Alabama. And, uh, there's a cool thing going on there because 
uh, the University of Alabama and Auburn University are working together to do something at Moundville, which is really cool. They're building a new park pavilion there. Uh, so this is a big deal that two rival schools are actually coming together to do <laughs> something good. So if you want to check that out, uh, uh, do a little search for UA Museums on YouTube, and uh, you can see that piece. I'm pretty proud of it. It actually turned out really well. Uh, so that is uh, all for me. You can find me on Twitter uh, and Instagram uh, at Mojotastic, and you can also find me as a co-host on the Legend of tomorrow podcast and you'll be able to find me next week in this uh huge crisis uh crossover podcast so looking forward to that yeah uh we'll have to see if uh if you understood what was going on uh we'll, we'll have to make you the doubtful <laughs> Uh, but that should be a lot of fun uh so that is next week uh, i will also be participating so um get excited about that we'll see how that goes uh all right well i think that's gonna do it for this episode of the wrath of ramakam but until next time i'm still rebecca johnson i'm still morgan lennon and we hope malefic does not scratch jean's space car (laughs) 